So I understand there was no music playing, so we apologize for that technical difficulty. The song was How Great Is Our God? And God is still great, amen? So we thank God that he is great. Psalms 145.3, God is great. Greatly to be praised and his greatness is beyond understanding. So make a note of that. We serve the true and living God. We serve a great God. We serve a God, 1 Chronicles 29, 11. He is the greatness, the glory, the power, the majesty, the victory and the majesty. So God is not trying to become great. God is not great. God is the greatness. So I wanna go uh, quickly through our announcements. So I wanna thank you so much for your giving. Uh, remember, no amount is too, too large or too small, and we never do games or tricks or gimmicks for giving, but we thank you for your giving. Um, as the word says, the Lord will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you won't have room enough to receive. We just trust God that if we return our tithe and we give our offering, it's far more blessed to give than it is to receive, that then God, he's blessed us so much. God's blessed us with the job and, and the business and the opportunity to receive money and resources, so then we return to God just to show our appreciation. And then it allows the good news of the gospel to continue to spread all throughout the world. Um, this week, uh, make a note, uh, Bible study, 1 Kings chapter 20, incredible chapter. Uh, it's, it's just been uh, incredible what God has been doing on Wednesday night. So make a note, please make the effort Put it in, put the reminder in your phone now. <laughs> uh, it's Wednesday, 6.30 to 7.30. Put the, put the reminder in your phone now. Let your phone go off at 6.20, 6.15 to remind you on Wednesday night that Bible study starts in a few minutes. And then be there. Go on our website, southbayalc.com, southbayalc.com. All you, it's just one click, and then it takes you right into the um, Bible study. You'll see the Zoom coordinates, the Zoom button from Wednesday night. Just click it and it brings you right into uh, Bible study. And again, that's 1 Kings chapter 20. If you have any prayer requests or prayer needs, uh, please email us. Give us the privilege of praying for you. Life at SouthBayALC.com. Life at SouthBayALC.com. I do want to thank you all um, that are praying and fasting uh, with us each and every Sunday, having our first meal after church, and so we'll be praying and fasting up until communion, then we'll, what a way to break uh, our fast this morning with communion, uh, and just the power of praying and fasting. The messages will be posted, uh, this message today, it'll be posted on our website, southbayalc.com by the end of the week, it'll be posted to YouTube tonight um, under South Bay Abundant Life Church, and just put into today's date, uh, 3-7-21 and you'll have the message. And then just evangelize, share it with someone. Um, be an evangelist, tell them to listen to, listen to it for uh, two or three minutes and let them know what you think. So uh, let God work through the message, let God work through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and again, what you're giving, if you're giving from your laptop or your phone, um, go to southbayalc.com, push the giving icon, and then give accordingly. If you're mailing in your check, that's 3553 Atlantic Avenue, Suite B-279, Long Beach, California, 90807. Check payable to SBALC, um, 3553 Atlantic Avenue, Suite B-279, Long Beach, California, 90807. And remember this morning is Communion Sunday, so please have your sacraments ready, your bread, your wine, your crackers, your juice, whatever is your preference of communion. And be engaged this morning and every Sunday morning. Have your Bible, your physical Bible. Take notes. Be engaged. Um, and if you have any, any questions, email, email me at life at southbayalc.com. Any comments, any suggestions, email life at southbayalc.com. Well, let's get into the word. Um, let's uh, have a quick prayer and then we will get into the word. Lord, we love you. We thank you and we bless you, Lord, and we need you. We thank you for your word, Lord. 
<clears throat> thank you for the blessing that your word is into our life. It's a, it's a light. It's a lamp. It illuminates the way, Lord, as we try our best to navigate through a dark, uh, fallen and, and decaying world. We thank you for the lamp that it is, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Lord. We thank your word. Thank you that your word is like like hidden treasure, Lord. And as we dig deep into it, Lord, it enriches our life spiritually into another level, Lord. So we thank you. Your word teaches us how to love, how to give, how to live, how to forgive, how to speak, think, act, so we can look more like Jesus Christ. Gives us examples on how to persevere and how to be inspired and how to serve others, Lord. So we thank you. How <clears throat> your word teaches us how to navigate through the storm and through the wilderness <laughs> and come out on the other end and be victorious in Christ. So we thank you so much for your word. Holy Spirit, lead and guide us. We, we get enough information from the media and social media. We don't want information. God, speak to us through this word. Give us revelation knowledge this morning that leads to our transformed life and that we can live it as we apply it to each and every situation of our life. Bless your word, Lord. Bless your people to hear. Bless them to discern. Bless them to perceive. Bless them to understand, Lord. Let us put on our spiritual eyes, our spiritual antennas, Lord, so we can hear what God is speaking to our heart this morning. We thank you and we love you for your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, family, open your Bibles to the book of Jonah, chapter 1. And verse, verse 8, we'll start at verse 8 and verse 9. And, and, and I have to admit, I'm all over the place this morning, so just engage, <laughs> engage me and indulge, engage in the Word and, and, and indulge me as we go through the Word. Uh, what God is, was speaking to my heart as I was studying is that Jonah has this moment of clarity and clarity in the midst of the storm. And he, 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 he wakes up in the middle of the storm and, and make a note that God is so merciful and gracious to us <clears throat> that he gives us the opportunity to be saved in the midst of the storm. He gives the opportunity to rededicate our life in the midst of the storm. And, and I would say that some of us, or maybe most of us, we got saved while we were going through, uh, based upon some, some type of storm or pandemic or tragedy or loss or disappointment or even a success or a failure. But that storm, that wilderness situation, it pushed us into the presence and the purpose of God. Maybe it was a health issue and it woke us up. We had a moment of clarity and we we got reconnected to the God that we had heard so much about over the years. And so it's just a, it's really amazing how God can use an incredibly <laughs> wet storm, a, a firestorm like he did with the three Hebrew boys or even a wilderness situation. In Jonah one and eight, they 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 asked Jonah five questions dealing with the predicament and his purpose, his position, his place, and his people. In verse 9, Jonah answers, he said unto them, I am a Hebrew. He has his moment of clarity. He deals with his heritage. He deals with hope. He deals with heaven. And he deals with the hand of God. We got through three of those last week. And he said unto them, verse 9, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which made the sea and the dry land. So we'll come back to that. But I just want to it's amazing. In the, and and we'll, as we finish this chapter, chapter one, we're going to see how these fishermen got saved because of the storm. And it's, it's amazing how God can use a storm. There's a purpose to each and every storm that's in our life. There's a purpose to every wilderness situation that's in our life. The wilderness and the storm, they might as well be synonymous. But it's a purpose to it, and it pushes us into the plan and the purpose of God. Uh, let me share with you. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter eight and verse one. And we see that the children of Israel there in the wilderness. They've been there. It's going to take them 40 years. They're reflecting. 
a trip that should have taken them 11 days, but because of disobedience and rebellion and sin um, and not trusting God and leaning to their own understanding, a trip that should have taken 11 days took 40 years. So I guess we have to ask ourselves, how long is it going to, how many years are we going to wander in the wilderness because of our rebellion and our sin and our disobedience and just wanting to do our own thing? But while they're in the wilderness, there's a purpose to it. We, we pick it up at um, Deuteronomy 8 and 1. It says, all the commandments, this is God speaking through Moses, all the commandments which I command you this day shall you observe to do, shall you practice to do. Underline it. God says practice his word. The commandments is the word. The plan and the purpose that God has for our life, that's what it the command. So it's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a, it's a set time. It's a it's a it's it's boundaries, it's limits um, that God has for us that outlines and and borders our purpose. So we stay within that. We don't go outside the lines. Isn't it something how we can we can play a game or we can raise our kids and we can give them boundaries and limits to protect them? Right. The game is not fair if, if you're a, a basketball fan or a baseball or football. It's not fair if you go out of bounds because you, the, the flag is thrown or the whistles because you can't go there. It, it messes up the game because it has to be played within the rules and the boundaries and the and the limits that set to make it a fair game, so to speak. And so then God is saying, I've given you boundaries and limits so that your life can Stay within the, the boundaries that I have for your protection, for your purpose, for your growth, for your success in God. And we fight against that. Stop fighting against the plan of God. Stop fighting against the purpose of God. So God, he makes it clear. He says all the commandments, all of them. So it's nothing on accident. It's all on purpose. All the commandments which I've commanded you this day show you practice to do that you may live. God says, I have a, Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. He says, I have a life for you to live. It's an extraordinarily, extraordinary, supernatural life for you to live. But you got to stay within the boundaries and the limits. You can't go out of bounds. I mean, you can, but then you will forfeit the purpose, the plan that God has for you. You'll wander for 40 years until you come back where it should have taken you 11 days to get there. So God gave them commandments in the midst of the wilderness so they could get out of the wilderness so that they could walk into the purpose and the place and the plan that God had for them. We don't let our kids play in the street. No parent in their right mind will let their kids play in the street on a busy street. And that's what God is saying. It's a busy world. Satan is walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You don't want to play with that. Stay within the boundaries and the limits and the guidelines so you can continue to walk successfully, have the good success that the Bible speaks of with the purpose and the plan and be in the place that God has provided for you and I and the position that God wants us to be in. All the commandments which I observed for you to do the practice that you may live and increase and go, which means to prosper, to grow and to progress. Unto the land which I've promised unto your fathers, this was for them, but for us, it allows us to grow and to to progress into the life that God has for us, the abundant life that Christ promised in John 10, 10. That's what it does for us now. For them, they were going to the promised land. For us, we have the promised life. Gosh, somebody hear what I'm saying this morning. God has a promised purpose, plan in life for you and I. But he says, you got to follow my word. It's hard to do if you don't know the word. But look what he says. And he says, I need you to remember all the way which the Lord, your God, led you these 40 years. Underline it. God led them the 40 years in the wilderness, even in their disobedience. Even in their rebellion, God still because he loves us so much, he still leads us. Romans 5, 8 says that God commended his love for us. God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God was leading us when we were sinners and didn't even care about him and didn't even know it. He led them for 40 years, even in the midst of them erecting golden calves and being rebellious. God still led them. Under, underline that. The word of God is clear. Romans 8 says nothing shall separate us from the love of God. 
Romans 8.31 says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.28 says, all things work together for good to them that love God or are the called according to his purpose. Make a note, family, regardless of what you're going through, has no indication on how much God loves you, how much God cares for you. God is still leading you in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of your success. God wants to lead you there. See, because the, the wilderness doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care if you're a success or if you're a suspect. It doesn't matter if you're a leader or a loser. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO or if you're the oh no. It doesn't matter. The wilderness doesn't discriminate. God is trying to get our attention in the midst of the wilderness, the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a storm, in the midst of success, in the midst of failure. It's all to push us in the purpose and the plan that God has for us. But look, it gets even deeper. And, the, and verse two, and you should remember all the way the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you. So the purpose of the wilderness to humble us. So God has sent us through things. So we recognize that he is king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. It's not in and of ourselves. It's through God. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Philippians 4.13. It's through God. But he wants to humble us because the word says when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he'll lift us up in due time. He'll lift us up at the right time. So he sends us through the wilderness to humble us. But then also he wants to to test us. Huh. God's sending you through right now. It's a test. What's the test about? So you can know. So you can find out. Basically, to know what is in your heart, God's sending us through. <laughs> God sent us through the wilderness. It, it doesn't have to be a bad place. It doesn't have to be a place of failure. It could be a place of success. But God's sending us through so that he can test our heart. Let's translate that. God's sending us through so he can expose our heart. The wilderness exposes your hearts and it, it exposes who you are because you don't even know who you are until you get into a wilderness situation, until you get in the midst of a pandemic, until you get into the midst of a storm. You don't even know who you are. You don't know what you're capable of. And so God has to send us through so he can expose our heart so that I can know who I am. If, if family, and it says expose our heart whether we would keep his word or not. God wants to send you through and then you have to determine, OK, I'm in the midst of a, uh, a wilderness uh, filled with success because you can have all kind of stuff going around that's ungodly and consider and the world would consider you successful. Doesn't necessarily have to be a failure when you've lost everything and you're in the wilderness, but it could be. And then you have then your heart's exposed and you have to determine who are you? What will you do? What will you not do? What are you going to do? God says the wilderness will expose your heart to see if you're really committed to God. So you can know who you are. That's the purpose of the wilderness. Because look, and, and, and let me talk to my singles right now, right? You meet someone and it's always, it always starts off good. It always starts, I'll give you a month, I'll give you two months. But then a wilderness situation comes up. And the heart's exposed and you realize it's not what you thought it was. God has to send us through the wilderness so we can see what's really going on. And singles, you don't marry someone that you've met in the first. You can't base it on the first two months. It's not enough wilderness. It's not enough storm. Go through a year, at least a year. Then you're able to see the different seasons. Somebody say amen. And that's metaphorically and, and literally speaking that you get to see what is this person really let a situation come up to expose who they are. The wilderness expose the heart to see who they really are. Don't make a commitment to anyone but God until you can find out who they really are. And then you still don't know. You got to trust God, but you can't make any snap decisions. Because of wilderness, you have to observe someone going through the wilderness when that heart is exposed. Verse three, it says, and he humbled thee and suffered you to hunger. He, 
in the wilderness, we were humbled. You get humbled. There's a little suffering to hunger. But then God provides provision. He said he fed us with manna. So in the wilderness is humility, is suffering. But there's also provision. And then there's instruction. It says that you will know. Neither, neither did your fathers know that he might make you to know. It's instruction in the wilderness. God wants you to know. That man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. Make a note of that. Underline that, highlight that, that we live by the word of God. God is saying, you have to know when you're in the wilderness, when you're going through, you have to know, family. That we have to trust God and we have to live by God's word. And the only way you can find out is when you're going through. It's, it's some things, family, we have to go through. God will deliver us from death, but then God delivers in death and through death. Some things you have to go through to get to the other side. In wilderness, it's a, it's a weird place. It's a place where you can be alone and angry, but you're also anticipating. It's a weird place. You're broken and you're, you're beaten, but you're also believing in the midst of the wilderness. You're confused and you're, you're crying, but you can get converted in the midst of the wilderness. You're depressed and desperate, but you're also determined to trust God 100%. You're frightened. You're fearful, but you're also faithful. It's a weird place in the wilderness as you're going through as God is with you. Doesn't matter your title or your name or how much money you have in the bank or your pocket, how much you don't have. It doesn't matter how many people are in the room. It's personal between you and God. Hmm. And it has everything to do with us humbling ourselves, submitting, committing to God as we go through. We're not going to get around it. It pushes us into our purpose. It has nothing to do with stuff, but everything to do with the Holy Spirit of God. Turn, turn quick. Let's look at it in the New Testament. And you say, Pastor, I don't really think I want to go through anything. That's not what I was taught. I was taught that when you're a believer, you don't have to go through anything that God covers. That's that's not correct theology. In Matthew chapter four, our Lord and Savior had to go through the world. If Jesus had to go through the wilderness, why would I be exempt if God had to demonstrate and go through and be an example for us to go through the wilderness, why would you and I be exempt? And he was innocent and we weren't and aren't. So we pick it up at Matthew 4, chapter 1. And remember, in, in, in Deuteronomy, it, talk about, it talked about how the Lord led them through the wilderness. God is with you. God was with Jesus, his son. Verse one, then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of Satan. Some things you got to go through. Isn't that something? Not only are you in the wilderness, but now here's Satan tempting you, distracting you, frustrating you. And Jesus had fasted 40 days, verse two and 40 nights, and he was very hungry. And then here comes the tempter came to him and he said, if you be the son of God, command these stones into bread. Very problematic. You're hungry. Satan, you're, you're broke. And, and he says, I have a quick way to make some money. You're lonely. He says, I got someone I want to introduce you to. You're not sure where to go. And then someone pops up and say, I have a way for you to go. You're questioning God. And then someone introduce you to a false God. It's tough enough going through the wilderness. And now I've got to be tempted by Satan as I go through. He said, turn these stones into bread is problematic because since when does God take orders from Satan? He's saying, do your own thing. He said, you, you, you've been trying to do right. You've been, you, you've been living right. You've been fasting. You're God's son. He's telling you that you're a child of God. You, now it's time. You've been waiting long enough. 
And not only that, you're hungry and you, and you feel lonely and depressed and angry and upset. You're trying to believe. You're trying to stand on the word of God. He said, you've done enough. Now do your own thing. Turn your stones into bread. See, it's, it's problematic because God doesn't take orders from Satan. <laughs> Satan takes orders from God. And God allows Satan to do certain things. We can read the book of Job and find that out. But Satan doesn't dictate anything to God. That's problematic within itself. And then when he's telling him to do his own thing, that's very problematic. When he's telling you to do your own thing, that you've been waiting long enough. You've been waiting a month or a year or two days and nothing's happening. Now you have to do your own thing. And you're in the wilderness on top of all that. What Jesus says, he quotes Deuteronomy 8 and 3, what we just read. Family, you got to know the word to quote the word. You got to stand on the word. It's the only way to get out of the wilderness, to get past the temptations and the frustrations and the schemes and the tricks of the enemy. You got to quote the word. You got to stand on the word. You got to believe the word. You got to trust the word. Your heart's being exposed in the midst of the wilderness and you got to know the word. Your heart's being exposed in the midst of the storm. You got to stand on the word. You can't go backwards. So much more that's ahead of you that God has for you. And this is what we just have to go through. Verse 4, but he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. <laughs> Quoted the scripture. If you don't know the word, you're at a disadvantage. And remember, most people live by half scriptures, cliches, and scriptures out of context. You got to know the word because the enemy knows the word. Because in the next verse, in a couple of verses, he's going he's gonna to quote the word telling Jesus, if you cast yourself down, that the angels have charge over. So the enemy knows the word, but it's always taken out of context. So you can't be excited because you've met this new person and they can quote scripture. The Pharisees knew scripture uh, and the enemy knows scripture. Slow down. The wilderness exposes who you are. And we see what Satan is in the wilderness. He's a tempter. He's a distractor. He wants to frustrate you. He wants to lie to you. Be careful of those who are lying to you as you're going through the wilderness and telling you to do your own thing and trying to tell you about God and tell you about the word and it's taken out of context. You got to know the word for yourself. You got to get into a Bible study. You got to have a group of people or someone you can call to say, is this scripture taken out of context? Is this the word of God? It sounds good, but is it God? Is it is it biblically correct? Look at 4 and 9. He tries to tell, Satan tells Christ and says unto him, all these things I will give, will I give you if you fall down and worship me? Remember we talked about it, the false gods with jurisdiction, limited jurisdiction. He's not the God of heaven and earth. He's the God of this world. He's limited. The scriptures is clear. Jesus Christ says, yeah, for right now, they're allowing Satan to be the God of this world. But Jesus Christ, when he resurrected Matthew 28 and 18, he says, I have all authority in heaven and in earth. Satan's jurisdiction is limited. Do not commit yourself to the false God or gods with limited can only give you things here on earth. Do not commit yourself to a limited God. And he wanted worship. He says, verse 9, he says, unto, unto Christ, all these things will I give you if you fall down and worship me. Verse 10, then said Jesus unto him, get behind me, Satan. It is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shall you serve. Make a note of that. Whatever you're worshiping, you're serving. <laughs> Whatever you worship, no, no, I don't, I just, I'm just into it. I'm not, whatever you worship, you're serving it. You're serving. Nothing takes priority over God. Enjoy everything, but worship God only. Appreciate people, honor people, but worship and serve God only. Thank God for who you are and appreciate it, but you don't worship yourself. We worship and serve God only. Christ is very clear with that. 
And, and here, make a note, family. Here's the revelation. Go down to verse 17. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, so here, here, here's the connection. Here's the revelation. You get through the wilderness. You get through the temptations and the frustrations and the distractions by Satan. And then Jesus started his ministry. If Jesus doesn't go through the, so the wilderness is pushing you into purpose. You get through the wilderness, you get through the temptations, frustrations, and distractions. And on the other side of that is ministry. If Jesus doesn't get through the wilderness and the temptations, he never starts his ministry. You think it, you're thinking it's about where you are right now, but God sees down the line, you got to go through. I'm building you up and I'm testing you for ministry purposes to go out and reach the world. It's not about where you are right now. You've got to see past that. It's not about the wilderness and the storm in front of you. It's about where God's taking you to and the ministry and the purpose and the plan that God has for your life. So on the other side of the wilderness, there's ministry. And then look, what's, look what else is on the other side of the wilderness. Verse 24. <laughs> And his fame went throughout all Syria. They brought unto him all, all sick people that were taken with different diseases and issues and those that were possessed with demons and those that were um, epileptic and those that had uh, been paralyzed and he healed them. <laughs> See the connection family. Got to get through the wilderness. Got to get through the temptations, the frustrations, the distraction. Because on the other side of the wilderness is ministry and healing. Somebody's counting on you to get through the wilderness because on the other side of the wilderness is ministry and healing. And if you don't go through, if you keep fighting God and fighting the purpose, you never get to ministry and you never get to healing. And God knows this world needs more ministers, more ambassadors for Christ, and the world needs healing. We got to get through, family. It's a purpose to it. You're not struggling just for yourself. You're going through ministry purposes, healing purposes. Verse 25, and there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. But if you don't get through the wilderness, <laughs> the frustrations, the temptations, the distractions, if you get stuck there, ministry is stopped, healing is stopped, deliverance and, and freedom, somebody's counting on you to get through so God can set them free. So, Make a note, please, of the purpose and the plan that God has as we go through the wilderness. Jonah had his moment of clarity in the midst of the storm. In Jonah 1.9, he started ministering. He remembered who he was. The clarity came. He said he serves the God of heaven. God of heaven has no limited jurisdiction, heaven and earth. Other gods have limited jurisdiction. Remember, the God has not limited us. God has liberated us. Take the limits off. Get connected to the true and living God. Let me show you um, someone else who was connected to the God of heaven and earth. Go to the book of Joshua, chapter 2. We look at the life of Rahab. Family, don't let anybody look down on you. In the midst of your storm, uh, Rahab's in the midst of a life and death situation. Rahab's a prostitute. Rahab, she's in the, in, in, in the midst of the storm, life or death situation. She, she, she's crying, she's confused, but she gets converted. In the midst. 
And people want to put her down because she's a prostitute, but she doesn't care because she knows who the true and living God is, is full of grace and mercy and love and kindness. And Jesus Christ died for that. So I don't care where you are, what you've done, what you're going through. And you're trying to figure out how could God love somebody like me? Well, it's easy because that's the God that we serve. And he's done it. He's used to it. God is love. God is kindness and forgiveness and grace. And see, when you don't read the word and you just listen to what people say, you don't understand the character of God, the nature of God, the love of God. Because you haven't read the word and people will tell you God could never love you because of what you did. And they don't understand that Jesus Christ, that's what he died for because of all that we did. Rahab gets converted. Joshua 2 and 10 Rahab is speaking. She says, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. She, look, she, she's heard about it. Folks have heard about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They might be convinced, but they're not converted. Right now, Rahab moves from being convinced to being converted. She's tired of hearing about it. She wants to experience God for herself in the midst of her wilderness, in the midst of her storm, in the midst of her life and death situation. Similar to many of us who came to know God when we were at the end of ourselves. I love scriptures like this. I love God's word because it shows the grace of God, the mercy of God. And, and that's why we get out. We're ambassadors for Christ. We get out and share because people have heard about God. They might be convinced, but it's the difference between being convinced and converted. And when they're in the midst of the wilderness, it's, let's take them from being convinced to converted just by sharing. We plant, we water. God gives the increase. It's no secret what God has done. His handiwork is on everything that we see. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. What you, and what you did unto the kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. You wiped them out. Verse 11, and as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you, for the Lord your God, somebody underline this, highlight it, put a star by it, the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. <laughs> His jurisdiction is not limited just to earth. Why are we settling for just a God that can only give us limited access and limited resources? When you serve the God of heaven and earth, everything is there for us. That's why it was important. Make a note, put a star by it. Uh, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus, when he resurrected, he told him, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. John 1 and 14 says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. If Jesus has all authority in heaven and in earth and Rahab is saying we heard about the God who is who controls heaven and earth. She's talking about Jesus Christ. We call that the Trinity, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. And matter of fact, the Holy Spirit lives within us and God has sealed us as a down payment with the Holy Spirit. Based on Ephesians 1 and 13, we've been sealed with that Holy Spirit. That same power that's, that raised, resurrected Christ from the dead is inside of us. That's why we can get through the wilderness. <laughs> Family, that's why we can get through and get to the other side of ministry and healing. And then once you get through that, then you go through another wilderness and God's building you up. Because when Christ got through that wilderness, he eventually had to get to the cross and if you don't think you had to go through the wilderness again, then you just read about when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, Lord, if there's any other way that I can, that mankind can be rescued from death, hell, sin and the grave other, other than the cross. Then God, let's do it. But nevertheless, not your will, my will, because some things you have to go through. And when you go through it's life for somebody else. So Christ went through the wilderness, through the cross. And we have life. 
He demonstrated his love for us. Some things you have to go through. But make no mistake, Jesus Christ was God. He has all authority in heaven and in earth. That's why you got to be careful of people who will tell you that I'm okay with God. I just don't do that Jesus stuff. Jesus is the judge. Jesus is the one that has all authority and power in heaven and earth. He earned it. He died and resurrected on that third day. And as we'll see when we take communion, he was betrayed. He started his ministry going through the wilderness and being tempted, tempted and tested and tried by Satan. And then at the end of his, in, his, his ministry, he's betrayed by one of his good friends. You're not going to be able to stand before Christ and tell him you don't know. He doesn't know what it's like to be human. He's gone through all the gamut of emotions and even death. And then he resurrected. He's earned the right to have all authority in heaven and in earth. Let me read verse 11 again. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Verse 12, therefore, I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me an oath. Verse 13, look how it shifts. I love this. Because when you get connected to God and you see that God is God of heaven and earth, then it shifts your entire mentality. She's not worried about stuff anymore. Look what she's worried about in verse 13. And that you will save alive my father <laughs> and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. See, family, it, it gets to a point where you realize all the stuff in the world can't save us from death. Can't save us from hell. It's only a life through Jesus Christ that guarantees us paradise. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it's shifted. And it should shift. There should be a shift in you that you realize. Wait a minute. I want my. Rahab said, wait a minute. I want my father saved. Please. I, I need my father saved. I need my mother saved. I need my brother saved. I need my sister saved. I need my, it's all about my entire family. All this other stuff is a mirage. You get past the mirage and the, and the smoke screen and the, all the stuff and the creature comforts and you realize, wait a minute. It's about my family. Only thing we take to heaven is other people. Rahab said, it's about my family now. This is life or death. I'm going through the wilderness. Folks can get converted and saved and committed and submitted to Christ in the wilderness. That's what Rahab is talking about now. Verse 14, and the men answered her and said, our life for your life, if you utter not a word of our, our business, it shall be when the Lord hath given us, underline us, the Lord is going to give us this land that we will deal kindly with and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall and she dwelt upon the wall and then she went ahead and gave them instructions and the interesting thing was they she let them down by a cord a rope it was a red rope <laughs> and then they told her you tie that in the window and when we come back and we see that red rope we're going to know that that house is going to be saved now as we get closer to Easter and the Passover we'll tie that in with the Passover lamb that was slaughtered and put on the on the side post and a toss and, a, and across the top and when the death angel came he just passed over we see a type and shadow of christ in here the red cord in the window and death passes over your house the blood of jesus christ covering his children and death has no more power over us it just ushers us right into the presence of Christ in paradise. Someone can get converted and saved in the midst of your wilderness experience. Stop fighting against the purpose and the plan of God. Submit, commit, surrender. Trust God for once in your life until you give God 100%, you will never know what God can do. 
Let me say that again. Until you and I give God 100 percent, trust God 100 percent. No question. We love God. We're practicing daily to trust God. But until you give God 100 percent of everything, you'll never know. What a frustrating life that is. That you're holding back from God and you have no idea what God can do. Ephesians 3 and 20 is clear. God can do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. But if we don't submit, commit and surrender, we'll never know. So as we talk about salvation, let's go ahead and let's talk about communion. If you would turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 11. 23. So here we are on the first Sunday. Preparing for communion. Christ tells us to do this in remembrance of him. Make a note of it. Let's tie it all together. Jesus started his ministry going through the wilderness. Then being tempted by Satan. Was able to get through all that and he started his, his ministry and healing and he called his disciples. They followed him and ministry and healing was able to take place. That's how it started. Family, that's <laughs> it didn't start in the, in the palace. It didn't start on the throne. It started in the wilderness and going through stuff, through temptation by the enemy. When you're tired and hungry at your lowest point. You're going through. That's how it started. So right where you are is right where God wants you to be. And then at the end of, the end of his ministry, he's betrayed by a friend, a disciple. Jesus has gone through all the gamut of emotions just like us. So make a note. Here's a revelation. We serve a real God. <laughs> we have to deal with real people. Real life. God understands it all. God's right there with us. <laughs> but on the other side is ministry and healing. Hope in Christ. Salvation for someone. Other side is real love and real forgiveness. Make a note, family. Each and every situation and circumstances in our life can lead to the glory of God. Jonah's situation, this storm led to the glory of God. The three Hebrew boys in the midst of the fire, the firestorm led to the glory of God. Rahab in a life and death situation led to the glory of God. Jesus Christ going through the wilderness led to the glory of God. Jesus Christ, even dying on that cross, even death leads to the glory of God. So whatever you and I are going through, <laughs> as we're committed and submitted to God, it doesn't end on a negative, never, ever. It leads to the glory of God. Be encouraged right where you are is right where God wants you. Submit, commit, Surrender and let it lead to the glory of God. This situation in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 is going to lead to the glory of God. So if you have your sacraments, go ahead and grab your sacraments. Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth. Verse 23, he says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Underline that. <laughs> you start off your ministry in the wilderness, being tempted, going through, and then at the end of your ministry, you get betrayed. <laughs> But you got to go through and everything that's in between family, look at it and give God the glory for it. It's leading somewhere. Even when it ends, you're, even if you're betrayed, 
God never ends anything on a negative. So if your life is on a negative right now, just know that God's not finished with you because God never ends anything on a negative. So keep going through, be encouraged. <laughs> you go through like this and at the end you get betrayed. Way to go. And by a disciple, by a friend. With the kiss, we'll talk more about that as Easter approaches. And when he had given thanks, somebody underlined that, you should have that underlined. After all Christ has been through, after all he's done, and even being betrayed, he's still able to give thanks. Why is that? Because he understands. Right where we are, right where you are, can lead to the glory of God. Allow it to trust God. This whole walk is a faith walk, a, a belief, a trust in God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge God in all your ways, and he will direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Reverence the Lord and stay away from evil. It should be health to your body and strength to your bones. Trusting God is health to the body and strength to the bones. And God's leading us, even in the wilderness. That's why you can be betrayed and give thanks. And then as we saw with Rahab, you don't have to worry about fighting your battles. God fights the battles for you and people hear about it. You don't have to retaliate and have a get back and try and have to stab someone else in the back. You don't have to, not walking with God, God can do it way better than we can. That's why when Christ told us to pray for our enemies, because he knows they don't, no one can give out justice like God. That's why you pray for your enemies, that they would be converted. Otherwise, it's going to be a bad situation for them because God will handle it and God will fight for you and I. So he's able to give thanks. So as we think about communion, you, we, we have to give thanks. We have to be grateful. If there's somebody that betrayed you, someone that disappointed you, someone that failed you, Someone that left you, someone that abandoned you. Ask God to forgive them, but don't hold a grudge. Let it go is preventing you from getting through the wilderness, from you walking in your purpose, from you starting your ministry, from healing taking place. You holding that grudge is preventing healing from taking place. It's on you. The word says, if my people would you which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive sin and heal the land. It's on us to humble ourselves. And the healing can start through the word of God, through the power of God. And that's 2 Chronicles 7, 14. You holding a grudge, you holding a grudge and being bitter, It's not, it's not being mature in Christ. Study this word. I'm not saying you're ever going to be buddy-buddy with them, but you, you can't hold the, the hate. When Christ was on the cross, he said seven, seven sayings before he transitioned back to God, back to heaven. The first one was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Christ is dying, crucified, hanging on the cross. He's not holding any grudges. He says, Father, forgive them. And he was innocent. Here you and I are holding grudges. We're not innocent. We were defective from the, from the motto Adam. When we came off the assembly line, we were born into systemic sin and a syndemic. We're defective and we're going to call ourselves not being able to forgive somebody. And here is Christ, innocent, dying for our sins, going through the wilderness, being tempted, betrayed, slapped, spit on, hanging on the cross, dying and says, Father, forgive them. Come on, family, let's check ourselves. Let's line up with this word. Let's take this communion and have it really mean something. Let them go. Turn them over to God. Pray for them. You don't have to be in their face to pray for them. You only have to speak to them to pray for them. 
but don't hold that grudge in your heart. Verse 24, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Elevate that which represents his body. Reminds us that Christ paid a physical price so we could be free, beaten, broken, crown of thorns, spit on, clowned. Humble yourself. God was clowned. So what people are clowning you? Stay committed to God. Let them clown you for righteousness sake, not for you acting foolish. His body was broken. He said, do this in remembrance of him. Let us put our life in biblical perspective this Sunday morning. Go and eat that which represents his body. Then elevate that which represents his blood that was shed for us so we could be cleansed. Because <laughs> we couldn't get clean in dirty bath water. We couldn't do it ourselves. Christ had to come and die for our sins. Make a note, God knew there would be pandemics and diseases and earthquakes and presence and death and life and birth, marriage, divorce, pink slips, promotions, issues, arguments, wars, disappointments, success and failure, everything that we go through said, do this in remembrance of me. I love God for that. So we can always remember that we're there. There is a meaning to life. There is a purpose to life, because if this world is all that we get, God help us. Thank you, Lord, for having us to do this in remembrance of you, reminding us that you're coming back for us. Remind us that we're representatives of Christ. Remind us that there's a bigger purpose and plan for our life than just accumulating stuff. But sharing the good news of the gospel with a lost and dying world. Thank you, Lord. Verse 25, after this manner also he took the cup and when he had drank saying, this cup is the New Testament. Thank God for newness in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 26, for as often as you drink, often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show, you proclaim, you demonstrate the Lord's death till he come again. Verse 27, wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Let's see what he's not saying. He's not saying if you ever committed a sin or if you're struggling or if you committed a sin, you can't take communion. That's, that's not what this is saying. People have exegeted the text in the wrong way. If you read it in context, they were coming to church and having food and getting drunk and declaring that was communion. It's not what we're doing. It's not we're even in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of our sin, our struggles and our sin. Take communion and remember what Christ has done. If you're not a member of the church, yes, you can take communion. As long as you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. Take it in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your wilderness, in the midst of your struggle. Rededication, salvation and conversion happens in the midst of our struggles and our storm and our wilderness situations. Yes, you can take communion. As often as you think about Christ, take it and be grateful for salvation, rededication and the forgiveness of sins. Lord, bless this, this sacrament, the bread and the, and the juice or the wine. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for cleansing us, Lord, and making us new in Christ. We receive communion now. We bless you for it, Lord. And we thank you for the reminder we remember what you've done for us as we're putting our life back in biblical perspective. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Go on and drink that which represents his blood.
maybe you were invited on the Zoom or you were, someone shared the Facebook and you joined in, you say, Pastor, I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It's what we all had to do. And some of us were converted in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of the storm. I know I was. Thank God for the wilderness and the storm. Then on the other side of it was ministry and healing and life through Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 13 says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be rescued. It's, it's really simple. People complicate it. God's word does not. It's as simple as saying, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Saying it in your heart. You don't even have to repeat it out loud. Just say it in your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for resurrecting on that third day. Thank you, Lord, that I can be born again, which means regenerated from above through Jesus Christ. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. I know I've sinned against you. Forgive me of my sins. And I thank you for the forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, so I can be empowered to live for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lead and guide me, Lord. So I can become the person that you created me to be. And I can go through the wilderness with confidence that you are leading and guiding me. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, it's nothing mystical or magical. Or you don't get goosebumps. Maybe you do. Or you, but it's, it's, it's a heart-to-heart -heart connection with God. Even in the wilderness, when we can feel disconnected from God, God is still with us. In that place of the wilderness, that weird place, where you're empty and exhausted and excited at the same time, you're crying and confused, and you get converted. You're desperate and distressed, but you're determined and you rededicate your life to Christ. It's a weird place. But God's right there with you and I. We thank God for the wilderness. It's made a lot of us who we are today. Without the wilderness, we wouldn't be, be where we are right now. Don't fight it. It's the purpose and the plan. Embrace it. And let, and let God lead you through into the next wilderness and keep growing practicing and growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So family, um, if, you, if you prayed that prayer or if you need prayer, prayer needs or praise report, please email us, life at southbayalc.com, life at southbayalc.com. And then Bible study this Wednesday, 1 Kings chapter 20, 630 to 7.30, go to our website, southbayalc.com. You'll see the Zoom buttons there. One is for Wednesday, one is for Sunday. I'm telling you, guaranteed, your life will be blessed. It is an incredible book, First Kings, that we've been going through. Chapter 20, it's incredible. Chapter 21, which will be next week, is incredible. Chapter 19 was amazing. God's really been speaking on Wednesday nights. You, you, you do want to make the effort to be there. And then thank you once again for your, your giving. It allows us to keep broadcasting around the world, literally sharing the good news of the gospel of this word, the word of God, and glorifying our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we want to thank you for your giving. No amount is too small or too, too large. It's a blessing to the ministry, and we're going to keep supporting our missionaries that are all around the world. And then we're going to keep broadcasting all around the world, getting the good news out until our Lord returns or until he takes us home. Make a note that this message will be posted um, to our website by the end of the week, and it will be posted to YouTube uh, by this evening, put in South Bay, uh, South Bay Abundant Life Church or put in Pastor Jerome Vincent Carter, put in the date, 3-7-21. Then just save the link and then share it with your friends or family who you've been praying for. 
ask them to listen to it for a few minutes and let them know what they think, let you know what they think. I want to encourage us to make a note every Sunday we're praying and fasting. We'll have our first meal after service. And what a way to break um, our fast with communion this morning in remembrance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So grateful, so thankful that you've joined us this morning. Uh, be blessed. Practice every day. Practice growing closer to God every day. Get into your word every morning. Five, ten minutes a day. Be practicing Christians. It's not about perfection. It's about practicing every day to look more and more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you don't, you need help understanding that concept. Send me an email, life at South Bay ALC, and I'll break it down how we practice reading the word and worshiping every day. Our worship song, whether it's five, 10, 15 minutes a day, it will change your life, to change your perspective as you go through the wilderness It'll change the life of those around you. I love you. God bless you. Lord, we thank you that you've come to give us life and that more abundantly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you and I look forward to seeing you Wednesday night. God bless you.